This is The Bucket List with Beefy and Diana Simons. Good morning, Sports Mad Melbourne. It's Diana Simons and Beefy. We've got a, a really packed show this morning. How are you doing, Beefy? Just awesome. Did you see the footage during the week of Jack Fields who did a backflip on his motorcycle on the top of Eureka Tower? It's a world record, 300 metres high doing a backflip. Well, we're going to chat to him this morning. Also, Lisa Curry has been talking about doping allegations. She reckons that she was robbed of the silver medal at the Olympics in 1980. This weekend is the Monaco Formula One Grand Prix. Highlight of the Formula One calendar. Last year, Daniel Ricciardo, our own homegrown boy, won. Yeah, friend of the show, Daniel Ricciardo. This year, they reckon Lewis Hamilton's Possibly going to take the crown. Yeah, well, he wins nearly every other week nowadays anyway, doesn't he? Non, who lives in St Kilda nowadays, she's actually been twice. You've got the circuit goes right through the town, obviously, and it completely dominates. You can walk through the town up to the top where the palace overlooks a whole marina and literally just looking at the yacht in itself is spectacle, you know, and you can see the circuit from there. See, I just enjoyed, like, soaking up the atmosphere. Both times I went, I have vague memories of the actual race. I remember torrential rain one year, which kind of, in a way, if you have torrential rain in, in Monaco, the obviously nobody can overtake. It's dangerous and a little bit boring, maybe. So you need to hope for dry weather, really, for Monaco to be exciting. 100% worth going. I actually went back a third time to visit Monaco without the race, and, and that was also magical, and I'd go again in a heartbeat. The fact that you can back up your yacht right next to the track and watch the race, that's quite spectacular. Yeah, Raikkonen crashing off for some reason. And he literally jumped out of the car, the arrogance of the man, but this is why people love him. He jumped out of his car, jumped over the fence, he walked out of the track, and about 10 minutes later, the, the helicopter cameras showed him jumping into the pool on his yacht. he literally just left the track, broken all the rules, and it was just unbelievable. Just shows how the life there is so glamorous. It's not reality in a lot of ways. Talking about glamour, there is the casino that's basically inside the track. What yeah. goes on in the evening? I guess it's a party town. I suspect that a lot of people who go and party after the race, private parties and that sort of thing. So you can still be a sort of normal person and have a taste of those things. You are going to spend maybe 20 euros on a whiskey and coke. As long as you budget for spending a little bit more than you would at home, you can very much go to Monaco and not be a millionaire I think it's a myth that people think that. You can also go to the casino with $20 in your pocket. We went in and had a bit of a play. There are still tables that you put a €5 bet on, a bit of roulette. And it's quite fascinating seeing some of the people walk through, you know, dripping in Versace. I remember seeing a guy in a a white sequin tracksuit who was clearly (laughs) obscenely wealthy, but absolutely no class or finesse whatsoever. But you don't have to be a millionaire to have fun in Monaco. That, that's absolute nonsense. Drawing the comparison between, obviously, you went that back there for a holiday to have a look. Was there a marked change in, in Monaco itself as uh, opposed to race weekend? Not massively. I mean, we stayed in a little Airbnb about 15 minutes bus ride down the road. Um, it was really affordable. Obviously, all the drinks prices were, were a little bit cheaper. The cost of, of a sun lounger, for example, during race week is something like five times the price it would be normally. But it's still stunning. It's still right by Nice. The beaches are lovely. And you're only, I think, half an hour from Cannes Film Festival. If you time it right, you can do both. There you go. The Monaco Grand Prix is always this weekend. It's a spectacular way to see a Formula One event. Have you got any tips for Monaco Formula One? Yeah, I guess my tips 
to be be willing to travel that 20 minutes into Monaco. You get on it early, but if you do your research, Airbnb especially, I found really affordable. And travel by public transport, you know, you're going to sit in gridlock. You might as well sit on a two-euro bus journey. Part of the experience, you've got these rickety little buses that go around the winding roads around the coast. And if you want to do it in a shoestring, you can, like I say, and save your money for the casino. Enjoy the race. listening to The Bucket List with Beefy and Diana Simons. Jack Field is the best freestyle trials rider. He completed the world's highest backflip on a motorbike this week on top of the Eureka Tower, 297.3 metres high. Good morning, Jack Field. How are you this morning? Good morning. I'm great. How are you guys? Fantastic. Jack, you're actually a freestyle trials rider. For people that aren't familiar with this sport, what is a freestyle trials rider? Basically, it's a, it's a combination of traditional trials, which is out riding in the bush over rocks and logs and that sort of stuff, taking aspects from uh, BMX and freestyle motocross. You're doing the backflips and all those aerial tricks as well and combined it together. Amazing. Can you run us through what it was like doing this stunt where you're 297.3 metres high from the ground? What was that like? Uh, definitely got the heart racing, that's for sure. It was it was a pretty cool experience. Now, you said you, you've done some pretty insane things in your life, but this certainly takes the cake in terms of nuts. Jumping on top of the Eureka Tower, what was going through your head while you were doing that? I mean, you wouldn't have really... You wouldn't have had time to look at the scenery, surely, while you're actually going through the air. No, no, that's it. Um, mentally, it's pretty tough getting up there. And even though the, the room is quite big up on top, I did a lot of training in the exact sort of size dimensions. And But you can't really account for the wind and, yeah. and it's blowing around up there and the sway of the building. And you just sort of have to mentally block out the, the fact that it's, you know, 300 metres over the side if you uh, if you go a bit off offline. So um, very focused and, uh, yeah, got the job done. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how dangerous was it? Anything uh, action sports-wise has always got a risk factor in it. We do our best to minimise that as, with the training and take all the proper procedures to make sure that nothing too serious can go wrong. But things can happen, though. Still pretty dangerous up on top there. Pretty windy up there and got blown around a little bit. Did land it nice and smooth, so, I, you know, I, I was happy with that. It all went pretty well, considering. Yeah, considering, <laughs> considering how far up you were. <laughs> Jake, you were um, Freestyle Motocross Trials World Champion a while ago. Is that still a competitive circuit? for you or are you kind of focused on supercross events nowadays a little bit of everything doing a lot of movie and tv stunt work been a big part of my job lately you actually did this stunt to promote the oz x motocross event marvel stadium on november 30 gonna have some of the top freestyle motocross riders and supercross riders from around the world battling it out i just can't wait to get down there you're gonna have a full-size supercross track like you'd see in the states or in europe it's gonna be amazing now outside of the world of bikes our show is called the bucket list are there any sporting events you want to travel to get to and go and see for yourself i think getting to to dakar would be pretty awesome might get over there this year be in dubai around the same time i might be able to head over there this year i think it's in saudi that'd be a pretty amazing event to go go and check out i think awesome if you want to get to see this uh, supercross event at marvel stadium it's on at november 30 thank you so much jack field the best freestyler trials rider who completed the world's highest backflip on a motorbike on top of the eureka tower almost 300 meters high on the bucket list this is the bucket list with beefy and diana simons 
Good morning. We're very excited this morning to have with us the Commonwealth Gold Medal winner, Lisa Curry. Good morning, Lisa. Now, you've come out with some allegations saying that you feel you were robbed of a silver medal at the 1980 Games in the 100 metre butterfly. You came fifth there because the other medalists were all doping. What proof is there that this actually happened, Lisa? We found out they were taking drugs the year after the war came down. All the documents were found and I've actually met with a doctor who found all those documents. I have proof of the three girls in my event that they were all on drugs. I want the IOC, the International Olympic Committee and the Australian Olympic Committee to actually do something about it and be accountable for it. The IOC have basically shunned you into uh, just go away, Lisa, basically, haven't they? Yes, they have. Australian Olympic Committee, they just won't have anything to do with it. What are some of the side effects, Lisa? Some of the athletes noticed their bodies were changing in, you know, as little as 12 months. Their voices were deepened, their jaws widened, their muscles were just getting extraordinarily big, much stronger. And the girls in my event, the girl at one, she only raced for three years. That was a total amount of time of her international swimming career. I raced for 20 years. <laughs> so there's a big difference in the amount of time that you can race. The second place girl, she died two months ago from cancer. Now that may or may not have anything to do with the drug. The IOC and the AOC, I think it's time that they just sat down and went, okay, let's sort it out. It's actually not that hard. It really isn't. No. And it gets too hard in the end to the point where you just go, you can't win against these yeah. people in high places. But I'm going to try. <laughs> I'm of course try you are. That's what athletes do. Our show is called The Bucket List. What sport event around the world now is yet to be ticked off on your bucket list? I was in Barcelona the night the Spanish won the World Cup soccer. That was absolutely insane. I'd like to go to a, a real a real game. That'd be fun. But tentatively, we booked a husky dog sled ride in Alaska. Wow. Oh, that'd be fun. So that's fun. Life is meant to be full of adventures and going to base camp at Everest is another one of them. You've got a very sporting family. Your son, Jack Kenny, gets a lot of media. He was on The Real Full Monty. You were actually in the audience. You hadn't seen your son naked since he was three. What was that like? <laughs> Well, the funniest part about the whole thing was at the end when they had to throw their arms in the air, the pyrotechnics were supposed to go off in front of them, so you kind of don't see anything anyway. But he threw his arms in the air and his fireworks didn't go off. <laughs> <laughs> so he kind of quickly covered up again and he went, oh, what the heck, and threw his arms off in the air. But you know what? He's my kid. It doesn't mean anything to me. Congratulations, you married the King Elvis impersonator Mark Tambone a while ago. What's it like being married to an Elvis impersonator? Does he sing to you at night? Are you lonesome tonight? <laughs> Finally, uh, everyone asks that. He doesn't sing at home at all. He does about uh, eight different impersonations of different artists. Dean Martin, Tom Jones, Austin Powers. You've gone from an Iron Man to a King. It's amazing. I oh, know. Well, I go, I go home with Elvis and wake up with Tom Jones. It's funny. It's not unusual to be love with anyone. His Tom Jones is so funny. Thank you so much for having me and I hope everyone enjoys listening to the East German saga. Thanks for being so upfront and honest, Lisa. It's, uh, it's going to be a great quest to get this sorted out. Thank you so much. On the bucket list. Right up there in Alice Springs, it's the Uluru Camel Cup. That's happening today. Chris Hill is the Uluru Camel Cup founder. How did the Uluru Camel Cup actually start? Like all good ideas, they always start around a beer or two. There's a small little group of like-minded people like myself. We decided we needed to put this place on the map, but not just rely off that big, beautiful red rock that we have out here. So we thought we'd create an event. What better event to do when you own a camel farm than put on a camel race? How does the weather affect the camels and how does it affect the punters that come out and obviously have a great day 
Yeah, well, there's normally two sorts of weather out here, hot and bloody hot. <laughs> this year we've actually uh, had an exceptional heat wave. The main thing is you do all your iconic experiences, sunrise and uh, sunset, and you have a siesta and sit around the pool at the resort uh, during the day. So, Chris, who actually participates in the Cup? Is it a, a, an experienced bunch of riders or can anyone do it? We have a lot of people who try to bribe us to ride the camels, but we've really got to stick to experienced people. Most times it's a lot of our staff and also ex-staff that come back every year to ride their favourite camel. I know that camels can be quite nasty. I've ridden one and they spit a lot as well. Are yours well-behaved or are they temperamental? Ours are very well-behaved. None of our camels here spit on the farm. Camels are my family. They're just basically one-ton Labradors. <laughs> no, I wouldn't want one licking me, I don't think, with those tongues. Oh, they're pretty gross. I reckon it should be on everyone's bucket list. Idyllic location. It is iconic. What can we expect during the event? We've run around about a half a dozen camels in each race. Anything can happen. Some camels stop, turn around, sit down, run back the other way. Then we have our really experienced camels there, which take it pretty serious. They get very competitive. Have you got one camel? there that's like winks we, we do have a secret weapon everyone's got a secret weapon called the golden nugget he's also won two alice springs cups he's also won both of the chief ministers cups in alice springs no one's been able to beat him how fast do the camels run are they like horses they take off from a pretty quick gallop they get up and run you know around about 45 50 k's an hour over the wow. short sprint do they have like one or two humps all of our camels in australia are single humps and they were called a dromedary camel where are the, the, the double-humped camels? I've never seen any. Well, you won't find any in Australia. The last ones actually um, died out in the uh, early 60s. Um, they were imported to Australia, but without strict quarantine laws, you can't get camels into Australia. It's the Uluru Camel Cup today. I think the only way they could have upped that one was if they had on a Wednesday on hump day. Chris Hill is the Uluru Camel Cup founder. Thank you so much for chatting to us on the bucket list this morning. I'm a big jousting fan. These guys are out to smash each other off horses with 12-foot-long lances. Cliff Marisma, one of the best jousters in the world. What's the adrenaline rush like when you get on a horse and you're trying to knock each other to all hell and back? It's unbelievable. You've got another knight in full historical 15th century armour. I mean, got you with proper lances with ill-tipped coronels at the end of them. 12-foot solid pine lance. We reenact historical accurate jousting. The knight's full steel plated medieval harness from the 15th century covered from head to toe. Our lances are exactly what they would have used in the time. How dangerous is it? It's extremely dangerous and that's why we train day in, day out, prepare ourselves. There's always an element of danger, injuries. And do you wear chain mail? Like you, you wear the whole outfit as well? Chain mail underneath your harness, proper chain mail, fully covered. What's the weight of the chain mail and suit of armour? I know the heavyweight stuff, it gets up to about 60 kilos. Yeah, well, mine is actually exactly on 50 kilos. That's chain mail, armour, helm, the whole lot. How do you get your lance through the airport? Sometimes it's a bit difficult, but um, well, they understand, you know, you declare everything. Our main issue is making sure that it arrives at the other end. Yeah. yeah. Down in Warrigal on June 2nd, it is the World Jousting Championships at Lardner Park. What can we expect from this spectacular weekend? It's actually the first and the second at Lardner Park. It will be myself and Philip Leach representing Australia, actually. What can you expect? Absolute thrills. Historical accuracy, um, the world's best jousters. The best of the best are all competing there. Huge medieval village, all reenactments. You've got to see it to believe it, really. Where are the rest coming from around the world? Russians, we've got France, Norway, Canada. Cliff, do the international jousters, do they bring their own horses or do you supply the horses? so they have to get used to them just quickly as they can. We supply all the horses in Australia.
Australian quarantine is just ridiculous to bring horses over and to send them back. All the jokesters from overseas come here a week or so earlier. They've got plenty of time to adjust to horses. The World Jacing Championships, Lardner Park near Warrigal, and we wish you all the best. That's Cliff chatting to us about the World Jousting Championships on the bucket list. Daniel Ciccone from Sportsnet Holidays. What have you got for us this week? The MotoGP in Japan held it at Twin Ring Motegi's, held in October this year. Honda actually built the circuit back in, in 97, and the actual circuit itself features a museum with like 300 historic Honda cars and motorcycles. We actually include the opportunity for our clients to go and see this Honda collection at the circuit as part of our package. That's just one of the many experiences we include as part of this tour to Japan. We also include a, a Sunday race day, paddock punt, the Sunday race day, so be the most important day. Great chance for our clients and our guests to see the team garages and take photos in this exclusive area of the circuit, potentially and hopefully meet a rider, team manager or a legend and get their autograph. From a destination experiential point of view in Tokyo where we first arrived we give our clients a sighting tour of Tokyo but with a difference. They get the opportunity to experience a samurai experience and we take them to lunch at a local restaurant for some tempura and sushi which you've just got to try obviously when you're in Japan. For the beer lovers out there we'll also go to the Asahi beer hack trip for a visit and some tasting. One of, one of my favourite beers. Some nice destination and, and MotoGP experiences as part of the package. Yeah, that sounds great. So those people that don't know, Motegi is, is not in Tokyo. It's about two hours north of Tokyo. It's in a small place. Very difficult to get to and from. Difficult to get accommodation. We run a, an escorted tour. We take out logistical difficulties of this event and we look after our, our guests from start to finish. In Japan at the same time is the Rugby World Cup. This is going to be your year to get to uh, the MotoGP in Japan. That's what makes this event so exciting, that it's happening right at the same time as the Rugby World Cup. The actual MotoGP dates coincides with the quarterfinals of Rugby World Cup, but for those interested in both the MotoGP and the rugby, they can either stay another week and, and go to the semi-finals or the final in Tokyo, or alternatively, they can fly earlier, see matches prior to the quarterfinals for the Rugby World Cup. Most matches and accommodation for that event are, are completely sold out to the general public. However, as an official travel agent with official ticket and travel packages, we can still help. We've done the last five Rugby World Cups and Japan's been the biggest and best by far. One of the hottest travel destinations out of Australia right now. So I encourage everyone that loves the MotoGP and, and wants to experience rugby to get in quick. It's going to be a complete seller. It actually is already but we can help. We will make sure that they get the best experience possible from a, from a MotoGP perspective. We will amplify it for our guests that are interested in going to Rugby World Cup as well. If you want to book on one of these tours, either the MotoGP in Japan or the Rugby World Cup, give Sportsnet Holiday a ring. It's 1300 888 858. That's 1300 888 858. Check out sportsnetholidays.com. That is sportsnetholidays.com. Does your sporting club or community group need help with fundraising? My Club Shop is your essential fundraising partner. This free service is simple to use and can provide a 12-month-a-year revenue stream. With support from great companies like Samsung and TCL and new features being added daily, this revolutionary platform is a complete game-changer. Did we mention it's all free? All you have to do is log on to myclubshop.com.au to register your interest and one of our friendly team will get in touch straight away. That's myclubshop.com.au.